I'm excited about this next year, and um, you know some of the some of the things that I have uh, personally gone through, and uh, and now you know I'm still kind of carrying and having to go through with when it comes to balancing ministry life and uh, and and working and and uh, and of course family and all the other responsibilities. Uh, I have to be very intentional with things, and uh, and every time I go through maybe a season like that, it. Uh, it really challenges me to to you know I can't just wing th- wing it I have to I have to plan I have to really think ahead and and uh, thankful for a wife that sits down with me and helps me to to think through some things and, and then even uh, uh, some folks here in this church uh, that, that uh, helps me to, to kind of plan ahead and look ahead uh, but um, but with that I I really do want to lay a foundation uh, a groundwork as we look forward as a church you know this last year we. Uh, you know, we've, we've used that language quite a bit this last year, and, and even in determining the name Cornerstone Baptist Church, uh, that we're, our focus and emphasis is on Christ, our cornerstone. Um, uh, we're going to build upon that idea of our, even our church name uh, this next year as we look forward to, uh, uh, to this next year. I was really praying um, uh, several months ago and just really considering what God would have us to do. And, and I was, uh, Lord, should, should we do a theme? Should we do an annual theme? And, and I don't know how you feel about themes, but uh, uh, really, God kind of impressed this on my heart. It's not going to take you by surprise, the theme that, uh, that we're going to have, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to help us, I think, this next year as we unpack it and look at uh, various areas of, of our ministry and looking ahead to even future generations of what, uh, what God's doing here, should the Lord tarry. But in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, let's start in verse number 9. Paul, of course, he's trying to establish some things. Uh, the church was uh, was divided uh, with very carnal thinking uh, about uh, uh, you know who is uh, you know who was baptized by who and who led who to Christ. And I'm more of a spiritual person because of who my mentor was, or or whatever. And they were divided over all these issues. And Paul is basically saying, "Look, who are these people? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos?" Uh, who is Cephas or Peter? Who are these people but, but servants, laborers uh, for your sake? And notice what it says there in verse number 9. For we, and he's, he's bringing it around to really the whole church, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, or his produce, if you would, his field. Ye are God's building. So he gives a couple of spiritual metaphors there. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he build thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Now, it's interesting is we, we, we tend to start reading oftentimes in verse 12 because we're going to talk about the judgment seat. But, uh, but think about this now. He's talking about, as a church, this foundation of Jesus Christ and how we labor and how we serve him for this judgment seat. So he talks about this wood, hay, and stubble. He's using this metaphor of a building. And, of course, ye are God's building, but then we are co-laborers with God. And so he says, upon this foundation, there's a different, different ways of building this structure. Now, here's what I want to ask you. Taking this illustration, this metaphor of a structure, of a building, what kind of a building do we want to have? All right. Do we want to have a building that is wood, hay, and stubble? All right. There are some buildings I've seen here. Don't get ahead of me. Uh, there are some buildings here 
Don't get ahead of me, please. There are some buildings in Alaska that are um, that I've I've, I've seen, and I, I think, boy, that is a stubble building, right? Uh, some of them, they're kind of like, uh, you've seen it driving along, and it, it luckily it's not used anymore, but it's like a, it's like a shed or something, and it's kind of like this. And it's like, how is that still standing? It's ready to go, right? Uh, and, uh, and then sometimes you'll go through, you'll drive through. I think I'm thinking of one right now. I think it's in Palmer. I've driven by uh, tons of times, and then the last time I went through, uh, it's gone. It's finally, it finally fell. It finally collapsed, right? Uh, or we'll see heavy snow loads, and it goes. And, and let me just say, as we consider this, think about even what the temple uh, the things in the temple. Wes and I, we were talking about the tabernacle in the temple, and he's so excited about the study he's doing with the teenagers. I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm not teaching Sunday school right now. I might just sort of join them, you know, but, uh, but he's real excited about that. But David was so passionate about building this exceeding magnificent building for the Lord. And, uh, and we talked about that, um, was that last year? I think, uh, uh, I'm trying to, was it the beginning of last year? Oh yeah, it was when we came into the building. Yeah, and uh, and 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 the word there is 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 it's uh, uh, that magnificent. It's uh, it's it's genuine. It's not an appearance, but it's the substance. It's the real deal. And and with that, David uh, set aside gold, and he set aside all these things, uh, the wood that's needed, all of these things, so that it'd be magnificent, not just structurally, but but it would be uh, aesthetically. And so as we consider this, how we build upon this foundation, there are things, uh, wood, hay, and stubble. What happens under the fire with wood, hay, and stubble? It burns up, right? But then there are, there are precious things, uh, uh, a foundation of gold, silver, precious stone. <coughs> Look at verse number 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work. So, so, so think about this. Look back to verse number, um, verse number nine again. For we, plural, we, are our laborers together. Look at verse number. Um, um, where did it go? Oh yeah, verse number nine. Also, then it says, "Ye are God's building; ye are God's husbandry." So this plurality of it, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, Paul speaking as a master builder, he's laying the foundation of the build upon. Then he says, "Let every one of you, let every man take heed how he built." So, so, so it's this collective. We're all working together as co-laborers, laborers with God. But then it comes down to verse number twelve: "If any man singular, any man." Now, that's an interesting thought, because when you and I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, yes, we are doing something together to the glory of God, and yes, we all have our part, but we are all going to stand one by one before the Lord. I think very often we, we like to be a part of something great, and, and rightly so, and we think, well, our church does this, and our church does that. Okay, what are you doing? What are you doing with that? Sometimes we kind of think, well, I'm a part of an active church, or I'm a part of you know, the, uh, uh, you know, a place that's doing something. Okay, that's fine, but let me just say, God's not giving you extra points on your judgment seat, or at your judgment seat. Well, you know what? Uh, you, you, this church did so much for the Lord, that's going to spill over to your account. What have you done? Let every man, let every individual, let every person... Uh, it says, every man's work shall be made manifest. The word manifest brought to life. We're going to examine it. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, I like that, of what sort it is. 
Did you know every one of us have different gifts and abilities and strengths and weaknesses? And if we're not careful, and Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians, uh, we start comparing ourselves with ourselves. And I struggle with this, right? Because I've, I've had the privilege of, uh, of having some tremendous men of God as mentors and friends, uh, pastors of great works and great ministries. And, uh, and I think to myself, you know, uh, the, these people, you know, they, you know they, they just must have tremendous faith. And if I'm not careful, I kind, of, I kind of start comparing myself, and I think, I don't even measure up, and, and what a carnal Christian I must be, or I don't have, you know, the faith of these guys. And, and, and you step back and, and, and think for a second, wait a minute, it does not say that God's going to judge every man of what size it is, but what sort it is. And every one of us are in the same place. Because you can say, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, we address that in 1 Corinthians as well. If I'm not of the ear, I'm not the eye, I'm not the foot, whatever, I've got no need. Uh, no, no, no. Even the more feeble are needful. And, uh, and, and so, so, uh, so we have this concept that every one of us have our place, every one of us have our ability, every one of us have our gifting, and so on uh, we go. But the, 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 the point that we want to look at is that faithfulness is what's required. It says this. Of what sort it is, verse 14. If any man's work, any man's work abide. Now, what are we talking about? Again, we're talking about building upon a foundation uh, 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 that is properly laid. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, upon what? The, that foundation, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. And then he goes on that ye are the temple of God and so forth. And so we look at this, and, um, and I like that concept. By, by the way, lest your mind go somewhere it shouldn't go, when it says he shall suffer loss, this is not a punitive suffering. He's going to miss out. He's going to uh, suffer a loss of reward is what it's referring to. Some people, I, I've actually heard this preached from a, from a Baptist preacher. You know, I'm not looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ because all my sins are going to be played out for everyone to see right there because it says we made manifest. Listen, if you're standing before Christ and you still have any sins in your account, uh, <laughs> it's going to not turn out the way you want it to turn out. If you're at this judgment seat of Christ, it's because your sins have been forgiven you. It's because you have received that full pardon. What we're being judged for here is a judgment of rewards. It's very similar to a judge at the Olympics. All right. Yeah, every Olympic event has judges, correct? What are they doing? Are they judging the worst? They're judging. All right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna see who's the the most pitiful about all of all these. You know, they don't even care about who came in last. You don't ever know that person's name. What they are looking for is they're judging the best. So we have gold, silver, and bronze, and uh, and uh, they're looking at you know they're critiquing and what what is it what is it for? They want whoever the best is to receive the best reward. But those who did not make the cut suffer loss. They didn't make it. Their country sent them there to represent their country, and they came home empty-handed. And for some countries, that's a big, you know, I mean, I mean they might as well go. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but their country sent them there to do something, and they suffered loss. So it is with us. God, you ever wonder why God doesn't just take us home the moment we get saved? God leaves us here to do something. We are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has us here for a purpose, to, 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 to steward, to, uh, and it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And, uh, and, and by the way, that a man be found faithful, not necessarily fruitful. 
but faithful. Some produce a ton of fruit. Some produce very little fruit, but are they faithful? That's what God's looking for. Sometimes you may send a missionary somewhere, and they're just, boy, they're just bringing in the fruit. Uh, it's a very uh, 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 ripe harvest field. And, and you think, wow, what a super Christian. Hey, there are some places where people are hungry. But there are other places where it is cold and it is dark, like many of the villages in Alaska. I mean, you step foot in these villages and you could feel the spiritual oppression. And they go there and they toil because God called them. They don't go because look at the great harvest we're going to have. I mean, think about it. How many, uh, how many are you really going to see saved in a village of 200? But they go because God wanted them to go. They go because God is worthy. And so they go to be faithful. So God has left us here, and at the end, he's going to judge. He's going to say, how did you represent me? How did you, did you labor with me and with one another? Every man's work shall be tried. And so I want to, want to take that thought because the avenue and the vehicle for which we serve, the avenue and the vehicle for which we uh, labor for the Lord is his local New Testament church. That's what we see here in the text. And uh, we, uh, uh, this, this whole thing of planting and watering and, and laboring together. But notice what he said there as this master builder, this master planter, uh, master builder of this, this spiritual building. Paul said, I have laid the foundation. What foundation is this? And another, found, uh, 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 another build thereupon. He lays the foundation, another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he build thereupon. For other, verse 11, other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. As we sing the song, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. And I'd hate to say it, but I think there are a lot of churches today that have built their ministries on sinking sand and so as we are still chiseling away and as we're still laying that groundwork of what god has put us here to do as we are ambassadors for him uh, the lord's really put on my heart to carry on into this next year what we started with the cornerstone and now we are laying a good firm foundation and so, uh, so in 2024, the Lord has put on my heart, now you can show the slide, uh, we're going to have the theme of how firm a foundation. And we're going to talk about, the Bible has a lot to say about foundations, we're going to look at uh, different aspects of foundations within our own Christian lives, foundation of having good Christian homes and our marriages, uh, but the foundation of, of His church, as Christ is that foundation. The Bible tells us if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And you know what we're seeing in our country today, and we're seeing in many churches? Maybe foundations that were established years ago are eroding away. And much like a lot of the Old Testament, which we'll, we'll, we'll uh, definitely step over there quite a bit this year, uh, but, but there were times where there were breaches in the wall. There were times when the foundations were crumbling, and they had to go, and what they had to do, they had to repair the breaches. They had to rebuild those things, because if you just ignore it, if it goes too long, if, uh, if Dave was here, he could tell you about some of the houses he crawls underneath when he's doing these inspections. And it may look okay on the outside, but you get underneath, you're like, oh boy, this thing could go at any time. <laughs> this is not a good foundation. It's shaky. And, uh, and so, so I'm very thankful, and, and God has given us a great gift in sort of starting from the beginning, trying to establish that right foundation. And, uh, and so we're going to be doing uh, some things, looking towards that. Look at, uh, jump over to 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4.
2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. You know, we've received a ministry from the Lord, an opportunity of service, an opportunity to serve Him. We received this ministry, or um, we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I love that verse. So, so, so here's what it says. So we've received a ministry from God uh, by His mercy, and because of that, we faint not. We, we, we are strengthened by Him, and we go forward by the grace of God. And so it says this. So with this, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We're not going to do the ministry, the work of God, in dishonesty or in hiddenness of, of, of things, these secretive things. We don't have our ulterior motives. We want to honor God. We want to be all out there in the open. We want to say this is a very clear-cut foundation. What is it we're building upon? There's no, there's no uh, uh, hidden things of dishonesty, notice next, nor walking in craftiness. You know how much... How, how, how much we rely on our own craftiness to build the work of God, our own cleverness, our own ideas. And, uh, and it's amazing, you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, those of you who are at the family camp this year, uh, Brother McGovern was talking about this, uh, this group of, uh, of uh, new independent Baptists, and they have this thing called Idea Day. Um, and uh, it was going on for several years. Uh, this idea day, and, and, and literally it was a bunch of pastors coming together trying to come up with new ways to do ministry. New, and I understand the heart behind it, the spirit behind it. Uh, I, I, I don't question the guy's motives, but, uh, but really what it is, it's no different than really this new, um, uh, the emergent church, right? How can we be more clever? How can we be more crafty? How can we uh, uh, do these things? When, when God says, why don't we make sure we're getting, sticking to the main things? Why don't we make sure that we're, we're still following that main foundation? And by the way, I'm all about you know, uh, uh, using some clever things if it's going to help uh, present truth. You know, we got screens in our church. There was a time where preachers would preach against screens, all right? And uh, you're hearing that less and less today, so I guess, uh, I guess God changed his mind about screens. And uh, <laughs> uh, there was a time, you know, Charles Spurgeon would preach against uh, mu- mu- instruments in his church. You know, but there were, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, uh, many, many of even the Baptists would be the great the, the innovators and would say, you know, with new technology, let's find more ways of, uh, of bringing about maybe the worship or, or exercising the senses. Uh, you know, people tell me, you know, when I have a handout, it helps me. When I have an image to look at or, or something, it helps me to stay on track with where the message is going. Hey, if we can help get the truth out and help get the message across, that's wonderful. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, about this craftiness or being clever, is when we start disguising truth. When we start covering up or concealing truth, uh, you know, because, you know what, this stuff might offend somebody, so let's kind of set that aside. We're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about things that are uncomfortable. And we're going to skip over certain passages of Scripture because they're not, they're not uh, uh, politically correct. And, and what do we do? We start handling the Word of God deceitfully. We are, we are, um, we are uh, uh, we're being dishonest. We're walking in craftiness. Notice what it says, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. Did you know... Two different people can be in a discussion, 
And so one person can use the Bible uh, in such a, a clever way that it becomes sort of a weapon. And I don't mean like the sword of the Spirit. I mean like twisting Scripture to attack. I mean like twisting Scripture... Sometimes it's really hard to, uh, to address some of these things, knowing some very unbiblical things some of us have been through in church matters. But when you're twisting Scripture to try to get your way, when you're twisting Scripture to try to come out ahead or, uh, or what the Bible says, for vainglory's sake, we miss some things. We miss what God is doing. And so here the Apostle Paul, he says, listen, guys, this ministry we received, in order to do things right, we need to renounce hidden things of dishonesty. We need to renounce this whole walking in craftiness, handling the word of God deceitfully. But get this now, here's where our power lies. It's not about how clever we are. It's not about, you know, and uh, I'm going to tell you, there's books out there. There's all kinds of stuff. I still think about uh, one, of the, one of the big church planning books out there, uh, The Purpose Driven Church, right? Uh, the same author of The Purpose Driven Life. He wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Church. And he talked about his church there. Uh, that's Rick Warren, those of you who don't know. Um, he talked about his church down there in Orange County, California, and how, uh, how they kind of plateaued at about 2,000. You know, you know, all poor guys. Uh, they kind of plateaued. They can't get past this hurdle of 2,000. And, um, and uh, so he, uh, he took a poll within the church. He said, I want everybody to write on a 3x5 card your top two favorite radio stations. And they put it all together and, and uh, got it together, and they, 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 they said, let's see if we can find out what the average or what the, 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 the median um, uh, you know, like type of music that people would, would long in. And kind of what came out on top was sort of a classic rock kind of, a, kind of thing. He said, let's start modeling our worship and our praise music uh, after uh, the classic rock stations. And as soon as they started doing that, Attendance skyrocketed. And he started, you know, he's saying, you know, if you're going to go to community, what you got to do is you got you to uh, start checking out what that community is looking for. So you start going door to door, not to tell them about Jesus. You start going door to door, taking a survey. And you say, if you were to go to church, what kind of a church would you be looking for? By the way, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's ask lost people what kind of church they would look for if they were to go to church. And they, you know, uh, you know, uh, how, how would you like, you know, how would you like the, the, the service to, to go? You know, if you were to sit through a sermon, how long would you like it to be? And, and what kind of, you know, we're asking all these, all these questions of what people want in church. Now, who's missing from that equation of what uh, somebody should be concerned about in church? God himself. Has anybody asked him what he wants in his church? What does he want in his church? So he says this. So, so, so here's what's important. But by manifestation of the truth, that's what we need, a manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul spoke a lot about the conscience. How many of you have heard this? A sermon from the head reaches the head, and a sermon from the heart reaches the heart. But here's where Paul is at. A sermon from the conscience reaches the conscience. 
It's made a difference to, you know, on a core level. It's made a difference where the Holy Spirit of God resides in me and my spirit, and I am, I am, I am, I am sharing that with others. And uh, what am I doing? It's a manifestation of the truth. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm emphasizing the truth of the Word of God, not being deceitful with the Word of God, not, not relying on craftiness. I am bringing the truth of God out, and I'm commending it to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse number three. But if our gospel be hid... Folks, here it is. It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. See, when we're being crafty, and we're being clever, and we're using the word of God deceitfully, it's covering up and it's hiding the gospel of Christ which is not that big of a deal if you're already saved. But if our gospel be hid, here's the problem. It is hid to them that are lost, the ones who need it the most. And so what's happening? We're building these great big works while hiding the gospel. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What kind of foundation are we laying? So notice what it says. Um, Verse number five. For we preach not ourselves. This is the verse I wanted to get to tonight. I was thinking about that. And I think I've been guilty about this for in the past. We're not careful we preach ourselves. We're not careful we preach our church. we're not careful we preach and let me just say this the thing you preach is the thing you worship the thing you worship is the thing you preach think about it, what are you passionate about I can tell you I can tell pretty quick what you're passionate about because you talk about it he says we preach not ourselves this is not our idea this is not our thing you know and if we're careful listen I love our church I think God's doing a wonderful thing here uh, I'm very excited about where we're headed and I, and I love what we've got going on but let me just say this I'm not preaching our church and I'm not preaching me and I'm not preaching us I'm preaching Christ and then let's make sure that, that, that when we're even sharing with others, you know, uh, yes, someone may be looking for a church, and you can say, hey, here are the things that are our, our church and so forth. But, but let me just say, uh, we are here as the pillar and ground of truth. We preach Christ. We are to uphold Christ. Everything else is craftiness. Everything else is deceitfulness. Everything else is, is muddying the waters and hiding the message. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves. Here's how we preach ourselves. You're servants for Jesus' sake. Here's the order. We're preaching Christ, and in light of Christ, we are your servants for his sake. Folks, that's what God wants with his church. What's going on with that church? Oh, it's just a bunch of servants. Servants of who? Christ. What's the emphasis? What's the big deal? I think you can go to some places, and you know what the emphasis is? The pastor. He's the big deal. Uh, Maybe the buildings or the programs, that's the big deal. No, no. All these things are here to be servants for your sake. 
and for his sake. We are your servants, is what he says, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earth and vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Say, so what's ministry all about? About Jesus Christ. Why are we all here? We're your servants, for Christ's sake. We are here to serve one another. We're here to build upon the foundation that Christ has laid, and it's a foundation of service. It's a foundation of knowing Him and making Him known. So this year we're going to be focusing on this. I want to, I want to share a few things that, uh, that I think I, I would like to really see as part of of the mindset of our church. In fact, my wife and I were actually uh, working on putting some graphics together. I'd like to see this uh, in, in bulletins. I'd like to see this on the walls and the buildings ever before us. And that is the ministry path for every person that comes into this church. Where are we going? When someone comes here, you know, uh, what are we all about? Are we, are we just, do we just gather together to have fun? Do we just gather together to be a religious social club? gathering because let me just say there is the need in every man to to have sort of a fellowship with one another but the question is fellowship around what and where are we headed what are we doing anyway so when you consider this ministry path first of all let's consider worship uh, guys in the assembly if you can help, help me here uh worship and uh and, and that is uh when people come into this church whether it be a new christian or even a visitor or someone who's been here for a long time what do we want with the worship and when I say worship, folks, I'm not just talking about uh, singing songs. I'm not talking about waving our hands around or anything like that. We, we've, we've played with words today. One of the most worshipful things that we do is we respond to the preaching of the Word of God. We, we give and we honor God with our, with our tithes and offerings. And yes, we do even sing praises, the songs of our lips, praise to our God. So when we consider worship, when people come in, uh, people should be inspired and awed by the greatness of God through preaching and through the music of the worship service. Uh, Psalm 43, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. So as we look to this next year, here's some things that, 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 that's, that's on my heart that I want to see happening. And uh, one of the things I want to do is develop our music ministry. When we consider the music ministry, I want, uh, I want to be uh, aiding and stirring our hearts uh, to, uh, towards the Lord and being re- preparing us for preaching and getting our minds on the things of God as we, uh, in song. As even we sang tonight, uh, some of these wonderful truths in song. I'm standing on the solid rock. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, to Him be the glory. Great things He hath done. We're honoring Him. We're thinking about the things that He has done. And so with that, uh, of course, next week we're starting, our, uh, starting up our choir, getting ready for uh, Resurrection Sunday, but I'd like to see uh, a regular choir established, and we're just going to kind of keep it going after that, and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, some of you young people are starting on instruments. Uh, I'm really, uh, really excited about this. Uh, there's already been some talk about some specials with the instruments, but, but you know what I want to see? I want to see a, a little orchestra start to develop here, and maybe we'll have to use over here and, and over here, but I want to start seeing some instruments showing up, Carrie. And, uh, and, and we're going to start, uh, start, start praising him with stringed instruments. Start praising him on, uh, on the things that he has given to us. Yes, praise him with our voices. We're going to be very intentional in lifting it up. Praise to God. Have you ever noticed how much in the Bible is music related? We have a musical God. 
And he's given us this wonderful gift of music. And it should draw our attention to him. It should draw our attention uh, to him where songs of testimony, songs of praise and worship and glory to our God. Uh, so we're going to be establishing some of those things and uh, with specials and, and, and so forth. So some of these churches today, some modern churches today, have this concept. The, the, some, some even call it the weekend experience. Doesn't that sound fun? The weekend experience. Because they'll do Sunday, Saturday night church so God doesn't interrupt their Sunday. And so they'll have a weekend experience. But, but I do want to say this. There's an element of the experience somebody has when they come to church. Okay. You don't come to church in a void and expect God to do something. God's people should be prayed up. God's people should be ready to serve. God's people should, 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 should come together with a purpose. Why are we here? We're no longer here for ourselves, folks. We're here for one another. Okay? Uh, uh, so the Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, each other. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So there should be some exhortation that is taking place of one another, preparing uh, each other for what God is going to do in our hearts. Consider the things that could distract or deter from the purpose of us coming together to worship God. Think about some of those things. Now, we, we're in an unusual place because we have a converted house that we've turned into a church building. Now, luckily, we, didn't do all, we haven't done all the work. I'm thankful for those who have who've kind of helped out with that, and uh, we're picking up where they left off. But, uh, but think about already the awkwardness of this. Okay? Someone shows up. Which one do I go to? And there's these there's signs. There's, you know, uh, whatnot. It's, it, it's not always the easiest thing to go to a new place, and especially when there are a bunch of weirdos there. All right? They pull into the driveway and they see some of you guys. Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> It's true. So we have to ask ourselves, and these are some things that we're going to be helping to develop, that, that how are we helping with this experience? Are we making it easy for visitors? And, and we're going to be very intentionally looking at it from that way, but, but I want us all to view everything from the lens of, of our service to God with one another. And so, yes, we are coming. I hope, I, I hope God ministers to my heart through the preaching today. And we should come like that. But I also want to make sure that God is ministering to a visitor's heart today. So how can I help with that? You see a visitor? Let me just say, no visitor should ever come in and not be welcomed. And I think, church, you've done a great job with that. It's a little easier when in a more intimate setting. But, but, uh, but let me just say this. You know, I think about um, uh, uh, the Getzes uh, uh, went to lunch with a visitor a couple weeks ago. That should be, like, expected. They should be turning down some, some, some invitations when, when people come. You know, hey, come back tonight. Come sit next to me, you know, and, and, or sit, sit with me at the potluck time. And say, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Wow, these people are actually interested in me. You know what that we're doing? We're removing hurdles and allowing, allowing God to work. I think about 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks about, um, it talks about this, this concept of, uh, chaos and everybody you know has a tongue and everybody has a word of knowledge and all this craziness going on and Paul is telling them look uh, things need to be decent and in order so when someone comes in and uh, and everybody is preaching the same thing everybody's in agreement and there comes in one that is unlearned or an unbeliever so he's either ignorant about what's being taught or he's lost altogether 
says he'll be convinced of all and judged of all, and and uh, and and, uh, and be uh, his his testimony would be of a truth. God is in this place. How did that happen? It happened because of the people, as they were all looking to God. You're saying, well, aren't you ruling God out of the equation? Not at all. Not at all. Because ye are the body of Christ. Ye is plural. You guys, us, we. So when they come together, we are, we are in unity, and we're seeing this opportunity, and we want people to come together so they can have this, this worship experience. I think about coming into the, the property. Can, think about... Think about our responsibility. I mean, it's, it's, it's our church in the sense that God has added us to. This is our part here. But when someone uh, comes onto the property, think about it from a, from a customer service standpoint. Am I making this easy or difficult? Is it hard to tell where people are parking? Come on the property uh, uh, with the eyes of a visitor, for the first-time visitor. Uh, and, and think, you know, is there anything that we can do better? Is there anything that we can smooth out here? So that would be inviting. Already we're, we have some plans in the works. Uh, uh, we'll be working with Nick on getting some good signage. Uh, when they come in, there's going to be a nice uh, welcome to Cornerstone Baptist Church at the end of the driveway. Uh, we have some yard signs, but it has been windy lately, so I took those things down because they were getting destroyed. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, so, so people know, okay, I see that sign lit up that says Cornerstone Baptist Church, but where is the drive? How do we get into this place? You know, it's kind of hidden. And so there's going to be some intentionality. Oh, okay, here's where we go. All right. Uh, we may get to the point where, depending on, you know, as, as we grow, we may need uh, parking lot attendance. That would be wonderful. Ushers should take the initiative and say, say, hey, let me, let me walk you to a seat. Let me help you find a seat right here. And, uh, and oh, oh this, is, uh, this is Ben and Tori Mowry. Why don't you sit next to them? Uh, you, you'll, you'll enjoy getting to know them. And now they have a friend. Now they've met somebody, uh, so they're not waiting for someone to come to them, and, and they felt welcomed. They've, they've been ushered to a seat. You see? We'll be getting to all these things this year, but, but what I'm saying is, is what do we want to do? We want to have the best opportunity for them to have a worship experience with God, for, to hear from God, to respond to God. Um, a lot of that goes into what we'll talk about in just a minute with the serving, but, but let's uh, look at number two. So, so the first thing is, is we want to uh, bring people into this, this worship uh, of the Lord to be inspired and awed by the greatness of God through preaching and through, uh, through involvement in the, in the music. Next, connect. This is relationship development. Uh, be, uh, to be strengthened and encouraged through connecting with fellow church members. Acts 2.42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And so this takes place in the Sunday school classes. So this takes place in events and activities that we'll have uh, even throughout the year. Um, you know, let, let me just say, I really do enjoy having a good time, believe it or not, um, getting together and playing some board games and those kinds of things. What's the point of all that? I am trying to relate to my fellow church member. I'm getting to know them as a person. Folks, if all we know of each other is the formal service, we'll all be playing a game here. We've got the talk down, we've got the look, we're all speaking Christianese, and nobody's dealing with real issues. Because, folks, I know you guys, you have problems. I have problems. Are we discipling one another? Are we helping each other? How are you doing with your temptation? How are you doing with your struggle? 
how are you doing with that trial that you're going through? Uh, uh, do we know about the things that you're carrying? And I'm afraid some places people are maybe afraid to open up because they don't know the people. They don't, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not at this, uh, this place, by the way. Think about, uh, think about what Paul instructed Timothy with. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. And then he said this, reprove, rebuke, and exhort all long-suffering and doctrine. Folks, if you don't know me from Adam and I don't know you, and I'm trying to reprove you, that just comes across as mean. But if you know I love you and we've spent time together, I know your children. Now when I'm sharing out of love, we now have faith for the wounds of a friend. A friend. Because I love you and I want to see you develop. I want you to reach your potential for Christ. So this is why it's important as we, as we are bringing people in that, they, yes, they have a good experience with the, with the worship, but we're bringing them into the Sunday school classes. The children are getting uh, some teaching and some instruction and some love at their level. And the adults are, getting, are diving into some things. And, and by the way, as the church grows, uh, we, may, we may split even, uh, even the adult classes uh, so, so that it can be you know, sort of a sm- smaller setting and interaction and friends that are developed and, uh, around the Word of God as they were in the book of Acts. And, uh, and so, so the Sunday school classes, events, activities... Uh, the starting point class, so we're going to start calling it that. That's the new members class where we're kind of letting you get to know, here's who we are, here's how our church is. And, and, uh, and uh, me as the pastor getting a chance to sort of share the vision and the direction and, and who we are and, and, um, and those things. So those questions can be answered. And then, of course, uh, Bible studies. Uh, uh, we have the ladies' Bible study coming up this week, as well as the men's Bible study on, on, on uh, Saturday where we can, we can challenge one another and grow together in these areas. And then thirdly, the next step is commit. Be a growing and follower, uh, excuse me, be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. Study God's word faithfully and apply it to your life. So now we're going from uh, worshiping God and receiving from God and getting to know folks in this community of church to I am now uh, growing myself. We're on three. Is it just taking a while? I've not been happy with that computer today. I had to go spend some time in prayer before service because it put me in the flesh today. Um, but now we are, uh, we are applying to our own lives. 2 Timothy 2, 2. The things that those heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit that of faithful men, who should be able to teach others also. And, uh, and listen, we're now getting to the place where it's no longer just, you know, well, what does the pastor say? Or what does the church teach? Or those kinds of things. But we are growing ourselves, and we're learning to develop our own prayer lives and our own walk with God. And, and that's kind of where we're going with this thing. We are creating disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with this, we're coming to that next level of commitment with membership and baptism, uh, discipleship, especially with new believers, um, as, uh, as we dive into uh, some of the basics. What does the Bible teach? I'm a big proponent of discipleship. You know, a lot of people, they'll hear preaching and they'll, they'll kind of, you know, get just uh, maybe part of it or some of it, but they kind of don't really know where it all fits together. Discipleship is very helpful because it lays that good foundation. It's an opportunity to ask questions and, and to get to know your discipler and, and so forth. And so I'm looking forward to developing that ministry a little bit further. I've seen different models of how a good discipleship ministry goes. I do know this, that a lot of churches have dropped the ball in this thing of discipleship. We're real big on winning them. We're real big on baptizing them and getting the, get them on some kind of attendance somewhere. And then we're like, all right, we got our trophy. And then we just leave them there as babies. 
and we've got these 50-year-olds in diapers, spiritually speaking. And they never learned how to grow. They never learned how to feed themselves, change themselves, <laughs> those kinds of things. But what does God tell us in Matthew uh, 28? He says, he says, Go ye therefore teach all nations, make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then here's the last part, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always into the end of the world. We skipped that last part. See, until I've, until I've reproduced to the point where they are now doing what I did, I'm not done with them. And we need to be investing in people in such a way that they become, uh, they start doing what they've seen done. And we're reproducing. Next step, uh, so we see the commitment, and then the next step is to serve. You're growing your Christian life, and you're developing some things. It's time to get busy for the Lord. And so, and so again, we're talking about a ministry path, right? Um, yes, we get to the point where we're faithful in attendance, and we're coming Sunday morning, and we're coming for Bible studies on Wednesday night and prayer meeting, and, and, and we're, we're growing in the Lord, and we're receiving from God, and, we're, and then we're, we're, we're connecting with our, with our fellow members, and we're, we're committing with our own walk with God, and, and these things are developing. But there comes a point now that I've grown to a place where I'm ready to start serving. I'm ready to start getting involved. And this is, just, this is where we're headed. This is what's going on in our lives. And, and every person should be somewhere on this journey, if not hitting them all. And so what are we doing? We are serving. Be used by God and his church to influence the lives of those around you. Ephesians 4.12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So with that, we exercise the spiritual gifts where we find a place to serve. We'll be talking a little more about spiritual gifts this year get training, and work together uh, in, in this thing of ministry. And by the way, uh, this year, one of the things we'll be doing as well is we're going to have regular training min- uh, uh, meetings. And we're going to be uh, working with Sunday school teachers. We're going to be working with the ushers. We're going to be working with music. We're going to be working with all the different ministries and, and really establishing direction, vision, giving you the tools that are needed. I think one thing that burns people out is, uh, uh, and I've been guilty of causing the burnout, is, is they're thrust into something without giving any, anything, you know, any resources, any way of doing it, any way of carrying it out, you know. And, um, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's, you know, people who maybe they're a new believer, maybe they've been saved for a while, but, you know, they've not been through training. They don't, they don't know how to put together a lesson plan or anything like that. And, uh, and uh, so I want to make sure that we're given those, those things so people aren't terrified by this thought or intimidated by this. And then as people all get more experience with that, they're bringing along helpers, and they're training them, and they're seeing how they do it, and, and now we start multiplying ourselves. By the way, every one of us that are serving in some kind of ministry capacity should be looking for our replacements and training our Timothys and, uh, and preparing others to step in. Um, <clears throat> so we exercise the spiritual gifts, we get training. Every person... When we talk about serving, every person should be soul conscious. And I'm talking about the little kids. Soul conscious. You say, what do you mean? I mean, everything we do is an opportunity to serve. We talked about that ministry experience. I remember when I was a teenager, I was uh, involved in a youth group at, at my church. And the pastor's son was very unruly. Um, their children were adopted, so they, uh, 
they're, they're very limited as far as being able to spank and those kinds of things. And, um, and as a result, their son in particular was just very, very out of control. And uh, my dad had been working on getting our neighbor to church for a long time. And his na- the neighbor finally came. And I don't remember exactly how it all unfolded, but the pastor's son was swinging around a branch, like a rotting branch. And the branch broke and went flying and hit our neighbor. He was so bothered by this, he said, I'm never going to church again. Now, that, that's his deal. But what I'm saying is, what if the pastor's son had the mindset that I'm here to serve everybody? You see, oh, it's a lot to put on a kid. Are they Christians? Are they Christians? You know, even the little kids should be putting on a smile and not interrupting adults, not cutting them off, running through the halls. I'm talking about this is some things we can train our children with. You know, you come across an adult, the the child comes across an adult, they should stop running, greet them. Once they pass them, they can go continue playing. How many of you have tripped over kids, right? Now, we love them. They're our kids. But what about that visitor? What I'm saying is, uh, is everyone should be soul conscious in this thing. Uh, lives, uh, souls are at stake. Um, my wife just recently, she had to uh, stop by a church in town uh, for, for something, and, um, and she goes to the door. It's locked. She goes to the next door, and it's locked. And there was a young lady in there that was vacuuming, and she had her, uh, her earbuds in. She sees Carrie, and she just kind of opens the door and just sort of keeps vacuuming. I'm talking about even the person who's cleaning the church should stop, take out the earbuds, and say, oh, is there anything I can help you with? How can I serve you? You say, well, it's an off day. It's not, they're not even having church all the more. What if it was someone coming off the street looking for counsel or help? Or they're thinking about suicide and wondering if there's anyone to talk to. And they just got shunned by the vacuum, uh, the, the, the cleaning person. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about being intentional about these things. And so it starts with all of us. It starts with me. Everything rises and falls on, on leadership. But, but keeping these things before us, and that's why I want, to, I want to have this ministry path before us all the time, because we have to ask ourselves, where are we on this list? We want every person to genuinely care about each person. And, uh, and their connection to Christ and their own spiritual development. When someone comes on this property, I'm not just trying to, get to, to increase the size of our church, folks. I'm not trying to just build our little kingdom here. I am concerned that that is a soul for whom Christ died. And I need to first and foremost find out, are they saved? And secondly, uh, what, is, what are their spiritual needs? Are they, are they developing spiritually? And how can I aid in that process? The devil gives enough excuses, and the devil throws enough things at them. Let me just tell you, any one of us, uh, uh, you know, we can get discouraged so quickly and so easily. It's been said it takes about, uh, uh, it takes about 80 gallons of water to baptize a person, uh, a grown adult, but it takes about eight drops of water to keep him at home, keep him from coming to church. I mean, uh, the littlest things. And so if we can eliminate things, and obviously we can't control the weather, but if we can eliminate some things, you say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? One thing I picked up when I was in uh, Lancaster was the genuine care that many of the staff members had. And they'll say, hey, is there anything you need while you're here? 
and it felt like they wanted, like they want, so wanted to know that it's like I had to try to come up with, do I have a need? I, I gotta, <laughs> should come up with a need so they can meet that need. Do we say that? Hey, hey, let us know if you need anything. We're here to serve. We're here to help. We're here to love. Well, boy, if we put ourselves out there like that, you know, uh, uh, people will take advantage of that. People will use us. Don't you want to be used? We'll say, I want God to use me. And then we get upset when people use us. Well, uh, we serve God by serving others. And God, listen, God's not going to be a debtor to us. He's not unrighteous to forget your labor and love, uh, labor of love that you've shown towards his name, showed to his name. So we serve. We want every person to be genuinely cared about. I think too often we think, you know, our, our people's guard is up, you know, well, they just want numbers or they just want our money or whatever. No, no, we want you. We want you. We saw this morning in, uh, in Psalm 2 when the father says to the son, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. Let me ask you, who wants the heathen? Who wants the heathen? Christ does. And we should carry the heart of Christ. Our ministries, our uh, uh, child care in particular, must be a place where people are safe, cared for, with well-trained workers and thought, uh, thoughtful uh, policies in place. And we'll be talking about that a little bit on putting the proper policies and procedures in place. Um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot in recent days about, you know, abuse and those kinds of things. And we want to make sure that we are as careful as possible, that we know exactly what needs to be done if we hear of something or how, you know, what, how do we take this up the chain and how we deal with it. Uh, if the child says, you know, they were hurt at home or they were hurt in the church or whatnot and, and, uh, and how to deal with those kinds of things. But let me, let me just say this. When we talk about, we've talked about the worship experience, we're talking about people connecting, ultimately uh, trusting Christ as their Savior, uh, connecting and stepping into discipleship and so forth. Let me just say, we cannot, uh, sometimes it's sort of an afterthought, but, but we cannot, um, uh, we, we don't emphasize enough the importance of things like uh, a healthy nursing ministry. Here's a, maybe a single mom comes into church, just looking for help, needing answers. She's wrestling with the kids all week long, pulling out her hair. And to think that she can take her kids to a place that is clean and respectable, people there to receive her children, and they are loved, and she doesn't have to stress about that, and she can listen to the preaching, and she can engage in the singing, and she can be ministered to. Let me just say, ladies, especially as you're in that nursery, and I know it can be stressful and tiring at times and trying to, trying to maintain the peace because we have some kids in there that just want to rip each other's hair out. Uh, <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody. Uh, realize, realize, folks, that you are aiding in the Great Commission. And you're aiding in God ministering and developing people's lives. Where that, that mother can come and be at ease and think, I can just get ministered to. And I can grow and be helped. How important that is. And then fifthly, I think this does deserve its own category, Multiply. Be a part of bringing the message of the gospel to others in our community and around the world. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.
And so I'm looking forward to more soul winning training. This spring we're going to be kicking off uh, doing some some soul winning training and uh, and uh, getting the gospel out and and uh, and we'll be teaching people at different levels. Of course, uh, you know maybe you're shy, you're not comfortable to talk to people. You can be a silent partner. Uh, uh, you can. Um, there's different things that people will be able to do at their at their level. And I just want to challenge you. Um, uh, yes, do what you're comfortable with, but always push yourself just a little bit further. Just push yourself a little bit further. Stretch yourself. In life, that's what we want to do. That's how we grow. That's how we mature and, and, and do better. Uh, listen, I'm an, I'm an introvert, and I do not like when people just show up at my house, and I feel the same when I show up at their house. But I go, and I've been amazed at some of the conversations I've had and the open doors. Sure, there are those, get off my property. What do you want? Okay, all right. I'll just sort of toss the track over there and let them search for Jesus, amen? But I think about the one. And I think about those as, as, uh, as Christ uh, wanted them to go even into the highways and hedges and to compel them to come into that wedding feast. Uh, he went straight to, uh, uh, he went across the, the river then went straight to the, the maniac, maniac of Gadara and sought him who was outcast and he was in the tombs and he was cutting himself and all that. He went straight to the, to the layman at the pool of Bethesda and uh, who, was, who was in that state for 38 years and, and man, wilt thou be made whole? And I think about, you know, these, these ones and these twos and, and uh, you know, if we're not careful, we think, about, oh, let's have a big day and let's get the whole community out. What about the ones? What are those that aren't going to go looking for a church or looking for a God, but God wants to go looking for them? He uses us. And so we multiply. And so when we look at this, uh, this ministry path, these five points, and then we get to this point, uh, point five, and, and uh, just to say it this way, we rinse and repeat, and we do it again. We take others on the path that we have just gone down. We say, look, let me, let me share with you my growth and where I've been and what are we doing. We're walking with others on that journey and exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, each person is brought through step one and they're being nurtured and they're being grounded in the truth. And that's how the church grows on a firm foundation. It's not about getting a whole bunch of people. in. I think a lot of places, they're, you know, they're a mile wide, but they're an inch deep. How sustainable is that? But are they growing in the word, and have we done our part to nurture that? I'll tell you what, when we get this mindset and when we get this mentality where every member is a minister, just think about what God can do with that. I'm just one man. But what if everybody did something? What if everybody was involved? What could God do in this community? I was driving in this morning, and I had this thought in my mind as I uh, drove by and saw different churches. And I was thinking about, you know, um, Christmas Day, how we, were, we had a good attendance. We had a good turnout here on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve morning. I think uh, somebody counted like 75 in here, and the uh, place is filling. Quite frankly, once we hit 100, this place is going to be overflowing because we don't have a lot of space. And I was thinking, you know, as we're passing through and looking at some of these other church buildings I drove by, and I was like, you know, I wonder if the time comes, maybe God will just give us maybe one of these buildings, or I don't know what God's going to do. I'd love to, if God allowed us to use this property and we build new buildings or whatever it is. But I started thinking this thought, like, you know, I'm not wanting these other churches to die. I know a lot of churches, a lot of churches are closing their doors. 
just found out this week, another church is selling their property, probably closing. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, I'm not, we're not in competition with these other churches. Sure, there are churches that are just not preaching the gospel. There are churches that aren't preaching truth. And even them, we're not in competition with them. I'm looking around, you know, I drove by the Catholic church, and their parking lot was full for a false gospel. But even at that full parking lot, I was thinking, what a small representation of our community. And how many are doing anything? And I just thought, we've got to get the gospel out, folks. And we've got to be intentional about it. We've had a lot of people visit since we've been in this building. I'm very thankful for that. We've got to really just own this. Every visitor that comes in these doors, we, that's a stewardship. How are we stewarding our visitors? How are we handling those things? Do they, are they excited to come back? What did we do with that? You see, these are all things where we, each of us, could own this and say, I, I need to be a part. I need to do my part. And I'll be a part of what God is doing here. I'm looking forward to this next year as we uh, talk about uh, um, these foundational things. We started the year off, of, uh, or the, the, the life of the church, really, off with uh, what is a church and what is a biblical church and what are some things we should be emphasizing. And now we're, we're kind of taking the next level. Let's, let's get the good foundation laid, a firm foundation. And uh, I even think about the kids' song. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came, came down and the floods came up. And what happened to that house on the sand? Splat, right? But the wise man built his house upon a rock. And so then the last verse is, so build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and let me just say, we ought to build our church on the Lord Jesus Christ. No other foundation can amen lay in that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And um, so I'm looking forward to what's ahead this year and uh, some of the things that we have in the works and, uh, and where God's got us going. But uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll have a...